The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Season 1, Episode 6. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Marvel Plus, the podcast devoted solely to the Disney Plus Marvel series. My name is Brett Scott, I am your host, and this is the show. And if you can't tell, I'm pretty damn excited for today's episode. Not only is it the Falcon and the Winter Soldier finale, but I have such an awesome guest. And we had such a great conversation. I think you're really going to enjoy it. Today, I had Eddie Francis on to help me break down this finale, and I'll be honest, Going in, I was a little nervous because Eddie, along with being a massive comic book and MCU fan and a wealth of deep cuts 90s comic book knowledge, uh, the reason I was so nervous is because Eddie is a legitimate professional broadcaster. You know, a guy like Eddie doing what he does for a living makes me kind of feel like a ham radio operator. And so, yeah, I was a little intimidated to be talking to someone who does this for a living. But as I said, he is a legitimate professional. You know, he he started out in local radio in Seattle and now works for a major tech company, which I can't reveal the name of, uh, but you're a smart crew and I'm sure you could figure it out if you really want And I hope you go check out Eddie's other work if you figure it out. Um, I will leave a link to his Twitter in the show notes. Go give him a follow. Uh, You know, not not only is he a broadcast, you know, broadcasting host, entertainer, uh, he also puts out some pretty great tweets. So uh, go give him a follow. And, and, And I do as well, I have a premise for this conversation because... You're going to be confused going in if, if I don't give you this little this little intro. Um, but I, I hit the record button about 30 seconds too late. So you missed the very beginning of the conversation with Eddie. But as I was talking to him, like the, the first thing that I asked him was about his history and experience with the Uncanny X-Cast, which is how I originally discovered Eddie. Like this is the first first time I ever heard of this guy. Uh, Way back in 2006, when he was still a local radio guy, he used to call into this, you know, obscure podcast. All podcasts were obscure back then, but, you know, I've talked about the X-Cast a a couple times on here, and if you haven't checked it out, you definitely should. You know, if you're an X-Men fan, it's required listening, or at least it should be. But yeah, Eddie was a guy who would call in and leave voicemail messages for the Uncanny X cast host. And and he kind of became, you know, part of Uncanny X cast lore. He was like a recurring character that fans recognized almost as much as the host themselves. So, all right. So now that you understand what he's responding to in this opening to the conversation, let's not waste any more time. Let's jump into it. Uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Episode 6, with Eddie Francis. It was because I kept Googling superheroes and it kept popping up. And I was like, what's this Wikipedia? 
Um, and so I was like, all right, let me dive into this podcast space. And I was super into X-Men and I saw an uncanny X cast and I was like, all right, well, let me start listening to this. And it was literally the first podcast I ever started listening to. And, you know, like a lot of podcasts, you start feeling like, you know, these people, Rob and Brian had like a, a real, um, guy next door feel to them. And, you know, they started yeah. their voicemail number and stuff. And I was like, all right, cool. Well, I'm going to call. And originally what I used to do is I used to call with like just drunk with like girls in the background. Um, mm-hmm. and, yep. uh, you know, I was part of like the S- X cast forum and it was just like this little community of, of, of people that had similar interests. And little did I know that's what the internet was slowly going to become just niche stuff for everybody where you could find, uh, your people. Um, so yeah, dove into uncanny X cast was, was part of that community for a long, long time. And then for a minute, um, they kind of stopped podcasting, but I, you know, I still follow Robin Brian on like Twitter or Facebook friends. So I know what they're doing and I know they kind of started the podcast back up, which I'm happy. And I'm just, you know, it was always like a, a good group of people. And honestly, bro, I'm so blown away that we live in this, this time where like comic book culture is pop culture. I still literally cannot believe it. Like, I can't believe I'll talk to friends at work and they'll know who like winter soldier is. And I know that's like pop to everybody, but as somebody that grew up when it was counterculture, it just, it, it like amazes me that people have conversations about like vision. I'm like, you know, who vision is it, it, it just blows my mind. So I'm just, you know, I'm just a nerd. And I was a nerd that was in the nerd space and also like whatever the cool kid space was too. So I was always been of, of multiple worlds. And now that yeah. nerd culture is the cool culture. It's just, it's, I love to see it, man. It's crazy. It is. It's like, I, I remember a time, you know, before I'd say before the first X-Men movie came out and, um, and I remember just thinking how cool it would be if we ever got to see the X-Men on screen. Like back in the 90s, like mid 90s, like, man, what if they made an X-Men movie? Nah, nah, they'll never do that. Like, and I remember even in, um, I think it was Wizard Magazine. Come uh, on, bro. Did... I was going to tell the same story. Go ahead. I was going to tell the <laughs> same story, man. Say what you're about to say because I'm going to follow you with it. Uh, so they, they did this, uh, they did this, like, casting right casting yep. call mm-hmm. i know exactly what you're talking about yeah and they casted the entire x-men movie and i think it was probably like clint eastwood or something was gonna be wolverine in one of the articles i read yeah clint i think it was clint eastwood yeah. and um the only thing they got right was patrick stewart which was i think it was a no-brainer yeah obvious but um but yeah i just i just remember like reading that back then and be like can you imagine and now you look at you look at the the landscape and it's like yeah, now now the the weird people are the ones that don't know anything about these comic book characters. Yeah, they're they're the odd ones out. And it's funny because you, you tell that story. Like I literally this is this was I was reading the the Wizard magazine. And by now everyone knows like the story of like how Marvel was bankrupt in the nineties and I couldn't figure it out and comic book movies were trash. And I was the kid that was like renting those Punisher movies with Dolph Lundgren and those Captain America movies. So I was reading Wizard and I kept hearing about how they would were potentially talking about making this X-Men movie. And it's pre-internet, so you don't know everything. And I remember like every trailer I would see at the time, because it isn't like now, it's hard to understand this world. Like you didn't know trailers. You would just go to the movies and you would just see what you saw. And I think it might have been Blade 2. I don't recall. And I was sitting there and I used to watch trailers for years and go, what if this is the X-Men movie? What if the, because you know, all trailers have like that setup where like in a world and you would see yeah, stuff yeah. and like everything kind of had this look like it could be an X-Men movie. So I'm watching it and uh, I remember when, when Wolverine popped claw 
And I was like, oh, this is it. And getting like serious chills and wanting to cry. Like I couldn't believe they were actually like this was real. Like I, I remember leaving the movie theater after whatever movie I saw, not caring about the movie and calling my best friend who like was in college in New Orleans at the time. And like, bro, it's real. They made the X-Men <laughs> movie. It's coming out. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, now it's like, yeah, people are talking about vision. It, it's, yeah. it's madness. Yep. 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 So, um, yeah, man, you want to hop into this episode? Yeah, let's hop in, bro. Yeah, I'm, I'm a free talker, man. Let's talk. Okay, so what I usually do is I kind of do a, a, a loose walkthrough of the episode, and you can feel free to chime in at any time. Okay. All right, so right away, uh, the big opening, right? The Flag Smashers are attempting to take over the GRC, mm-hmm. and I wasn't, I wasn't expecting the reveal so soon. Oh, but it was Sam jump. Yeah. Sa- Sam, Sam swoops in straight out of the comic books, right? In this new Captain America suit. And this was, I think like I had several times throughout this episode where it was like emotional feels, you know what I mean? It yeah, was like, yeah. ah, it's like, you know, that feeling like, you know, no actual tears, but you can feel them coming on. Yep. Mm-hmm. It was, and it was like when you saw him in that suit, and damn, that was a clean suit. Like that was an amazing look. As suit. comic accurate a costume as we've seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and that and that brings up something too. I wanted to talk about with you, um, just how the MCU has been treating these costumes, like in comparison to like Fox, who was afraid yeah. to do the comic book accurate stuff. Right? They had the X Men in the all black suits, but yep. the MCU seems to be leaning harder and harder into these comic book costumes. I think it's a testament to Kevin Feige and the world that he laid out. Like it wasn't overnight that we just got to see these outrageous wild costumes. It was from the very, very jump. And the irony is I I started watching the, the, the star Wars sequels again yesterday. And it, Mm -hmm. it goes to show the stark difference of when you have a vision, like when you have a singular one person that says, I can lay out what I want to do 10 years from now. And here's how we're going to get there. So as opposed to Warner Brothers, well, obviously the mess that that is and what Star Wars has done recently, Kevin Feige from the beginning, like had a vision and no pun intended. And the difference between that and Fox and everything else is there was a slow buildup to the ridiculousness of all these costumes. And now it's just 100% normal to see for us to see a guy flying around in red, white, and blue outfit with a shield and wings. And you, and you don't even bat an eye. Like it's absolutely amazing what they've done. And that, you know what it goes back to? And you talk about the, sorry, I'm a talker, man. So if you start asking me questions, I'm a talker. Um, I remember Iron Man and watching Iron Man and not like, being astonished, like, I can't believe this is on screen. I can't believe how accurate this is. And yes. just the complete opposite of everything we've seen before with superhero movies, excluding Superman running around in, like, you know, red and black tights. I mean, red and white. We know what I mean, red and blue tights. Yeah. And it was, it, was the, it was the post-credit scene where I just, I absolutely lost it. Where, let's yet again set the scene if you don't remember. It was the Ultimates. We all knew when you read the Ultimates that they made, Nick Fury, they redesigned him to look like Samuel L. Jackson. There were no rumors that Samuel L. Jackson was going to be in the Iron Man movie. I, I think we vaguely knew that they were building up Avengers in this universe. I think we understood that. So when they show the shadow of the back, and I'm sitting there like, no, they didn't. This isn't going to be Samuel L. Jackson. This better not be Samuel L. Jackson. 
And he does that speech regards you're part of the world, whatever he says. And I just was like, oh, my God, they really did it. And from the beginning, yeah. they knew it was like we're digging into this universe and we're we're going to give you fan service that isn't um, just for the sake of being fan service. Like it's really going to mean something. And we're going to be true to um, the the source material. And that goes back to I was reading stories about how Kevin Feige, Feige used to be on like the X-Men set as like some low level, you know, employee. And he was like sneaking comic books to people because they weren't saying true to the source material. Like people didn't really that. have clues or understand what was going on. And he was like, Hey guys, like the nightcrawler Magneto's his mom. And no one on set knew that. So I applaud them for putting him in the position that he's in because I mean, it's the number one IP in the world right now. The Avengers, bro. The, the, I rem the X-Men used to kill the Avengers and now the Avengers be oh, yeah. like, Bro, Guardians of the Galaxy is is an A level superhero team. Like, I can't believe that that's happening. That's crazy. I know it. I know, and I think I think one of the things that, and another a testament to Kevin Feige, is how seriously they take the content. You know what I mean? Like in comparison to you know the terrible like '80s and and '90s kind of renditions of Marvel, like they tried to do made for TV movies and stuff like that. And they, and they were just terrible. And, um, but just taking these characters seriously and making it like that Iron Man movie, like it was taking the entire idea very seriously. It wasn't like, it wasn't, um, you know, like the old Superman films, like were kind of tug in cheek at times. They were, they were, they were campy. Like, they were campy. Yeah. They, they were slapstick comedy. Like it was, but this was like really taking it seriously. And, and I just thought it was fantastic. Yeah, so my bad. Let me get you back on track. So yeah, we see the suit from the jump. Yeah. Okay. So where was I at here? Yeah, I, I, I'm a derailer, man. My bad, dude. That's what that's what podcasting is all about. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So. Uh, okay, Sharon Carter reveals herself to Bucky. Uh, she has that mm -hmm. same kind of mask tech that the Black Widow had in, in Winter Soldier. And um, she's there to help Sam and Bucky take on the Flag Smashers. And the Flag Smashers have been waiting. They they, they plan this out. They're waiting on Sam to show up. Uh, Batrock is, and Sam have this throwdown. And I got a question, man. It, hmm. <laughs> is this the most boring villain in the entire MCU? Yeah, I don't, I don't know his purpose. Because it's like, yeah. he doesn't seem to have a superpower. I don't know why they keep throwing him out there that he's formidable. I get it. Like, it's, it's George St. Pierre. Like, that's yep. great. But... He's absolutely useless. Like all he, he's he's just in all these movies and TV shows to get his ass whooped, basically. Yeah, he's boring. He's boring. Yeah. I don't know why they keep bringing him back. Um, all right. So Carly is trying to convince Bucky to fight with, not against the Flag Smashers, mm -hmm. and Bucky's he he's not having it. Like she's she's like, you know, you need to fight fight for something bigger than yourself. And he's like, you know, that's that's what I've been doing. Done been twice. For stuff. Yep. 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 And lost. Mm -hmm. And um. And uh, let's see, Sharon continues her little murder spree. It's like she's she's kind of a badass in this yes, series. Yeah, uh, yeah. She takes out a flag smasher with this mercury vapor bomb. And um, let's see, some some prominent GRC members are taken hostage on a helicopter. And that leads into one of my favorite sequences of the entire series. Right. Sam abandons his fight with Batrock launches his shield out the window, dives out the window, so, and so catches, sketches it mid-flight, catches the shield mid-flight. Like, how awesome was that? 
And it also bookended the first episode in the series finale because the first episode essentially started with a helicopter action mm-hmm. sequence. And this one started with a helicopter action sequence that yep. from the second, I, the because coming from WandaVision, you were like, okay, this is kind of different. I get it. And this, the first episode, I was like, yo, that is about as good as an action scene as I've seen in a television show. And like, this is, I guess we got to buckle up. This is what we're getting in this show. So to, to book in it with both of those and yet again, another just ends. And what, you know what I like about these movies too? They show me a power set for these skills that these heroes and villains have that sometimes I don't even think about. Like I never looked at Falcon and was like, oh yeah, he's cool. Like he always seemed kind of lame. And I'm like, right, you know, the, and they don't even do the wing shootout feathers thing. Like, but they find all these cool ways to integrate his powers or lack of powers, I guess, or his his equipment with what he can do in the field, and it's it's just sick. Yeah, and I think uh, and this like as you were saying, this episode, along with episode one, were like the big budget episodes. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know they they were kind of boots on the ground for episodes two through five. Um, not a lot of big like action set pieces, but you know since. In this episode, you're right. They bring back the helicopter chase, explosions, like crazy stuff going on. And I, I think this is this is the only time we've seen something that big since since the first episode. Mm. Maybe, yeah, I don't recall too many huge pieces like this. So I, I think maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we could be wrong, but yeah, for the most part. Yeah, they're mostly just kind of melee kind of fights. Yeah. Um, In a warehouse like somewhere crazy. or something. Yeah. Might have been the first time that Sam was flying again since the first episode. But yeah, I think it, they kind of saved it. And I, I think it was smart to do that. Um, some people were worried that they might've blown their entire budget for this series on episode <laughs> one. But I'm like, nah, dude, you know how much money they have to blow on this stuff and like how, how willing they are to just put it all on the line. Yeah, man. I mean, if anybody got it, it's Disney. Yeah. So meanwhile, all this is going on. Uh, Carly, seems to be kind of having some difficulty and this never really leads to anything. And I was kind of upset that it never really paid off, but her fellow flag smashers, they have way more of a problem with killing innocent people than she does. Like, like, yeah, yeah. They're, they're like, this chick is mad. Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? They're hesitant to, to follow her a little bit. And she has to convince them to say one world, one people. Like it's, I don't know. I wish they would have would have I wish the episode would have went into that more like by the end, like seeing her team kind of not follow her. Yeah. And, and it seems like throughout the series, if there's any knock on it, they could have shown more like they talk about like the internment camps and they didn't really dive into it or show. They did a lot of talking about stuff without really showing us stuff. And we've seen uh, that there was a conflict, obviously, between Carly and her and her team. But they didn't really dive into it. It would have been kind of cool to see conversations when she's not around. I'm like, yo, she's kind of losing it. But, you know, you know, who knows? Yeah. And then a lot of this stuff, too. You, we've heard stories about um, how the virus kind of changed storylines and development. Yes. And there were rumors about other things that might have took place. So maybe that was something they wanted to dive into. And they just weren't able to because of whatever restrictions they might have had because of COVID. Yeah, yeah, I think and I think um, it, it wasn't just because of COVID, like kind of restricting things. I think it was just the fact that it was too on the nose. Like we you had a series that and if people don't know what we're talking about, there was a portion of this series cut out from what yeah. was originally going to be. Mm-hmm. And there was this virus that I, I, 
think from what I heard was maybe even released on purpose um, to kind of eradicate these uh, refugees, right? Like yep, to, yep. and that was like a whole nother subplot, a whole nother storyline that we were going to be dealing with. Like maybe we would have found out who uh, Mama Donia really was mm-hmm. and, and why she was so significant to Carly and to the Flag Smashers and maybe why they like, you know, they're willing to, why her death might radicalize more people. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there was a lot there that, that we're kind of left wondering, like, well, you know, why it didn't give us the importance of, yeah. of what these people were doing as much that I think we could have gotten from that. But, but I get it. Like making a show about a virus that the government released upon people, like not the time. Like, yeah. <laughs> not the time. Exactly. So, so I get why they made that decision, but yeah, most of the series, um, I think they did a good job at editing that part of the story out. Mm. Um, but that was only the only place where I really ran into it. Yeah. All right. So um, Bucky saves a bunch of GRC that are trapped in a burning vehicle. And this was another one of those moments for me. Like a, this is like emotional moment number two mm-hmm. where they, they, he gets them out and they just say thank you. And it was like the biggest thing. Like he's, they're like, thank you for saving our lives. And, you know, just, just seeing Bucky get to be seen as a hero and getting to feel like a hero after all he's been going through. It might have been the first time. And, and like mm-hmm. the whole, I mean, granny, like he helped save the universe from Thanos, but that's one thing. But that's the first time I can recall citizens seeing Bucky as a hero. Yes. Um, and, and, and they set that up through that whole storyline throughout like him trying to essentially avenge and Sam having to tell him like, look, bro, this isn't the time. You don't need to avenge. You need to make amends. Um, mm-hmm. So that was part of like the first indication, like Bucky's finally making amends. And I'm going to be honest with you, bro. I used to have between Sebastian Stan and um, what's my man's name? Falcon. Uh, uh, Anthony uh, Mackey. Anthony Mackey. Wasn't mm-hmm. super high on either one of those guys. Like Same. up and Same. Up until recently, like it was it was this series where I was like, you know what, the the dynamic of them, you know, being friends and them having their moments because it's hard. I mean, in these huge MCU movies, there's not too many moments for characters like Falcon and Winter Soldier. Like they don't have moments. So giving them these moments, it made me look at their acting performances and view them different for the first time. And like you said, it was emotional for me to see that moment where like, oh, this is the first time like Bucky gets to be a hero to people. Yeah, and I think another thing that the MCU has done so well is, um, you know, take these C and D list characters, right, and bring mm-hmm. them into A level status. Like even with, you know, Iron Man. People now you think of Iron Man as this A list huge hero, but it wasn't like that before the movie. You know, what hell I mean? like, no. Yeah, so it's like, and the same thing like Captain America. I'll be, I'll be honest, I didn't care that much about Captain America, um, and. And when they said that they were making a Captain America movie, I was like, how are they going to make this work? Like, how are they going to make this cool and relevant? Like, but they did it, man. They they made that Captain America like those movies, in my opinion, are the best of the the 20 something movies. Like, yeah, I will argue with somebody Winter Soldier, excluding what we got, because, I mean, Infinity Wars is a whole different beast. So take out Infinity War away from it. And I I would argue that um, Winter Soldier is the best Marvel movie. Yeah, same, same for me. It's between that and Civil War. And I just, that, the Russo brothers are just masters of crap. Oh my God. I'm so glad we got weeding up out the paint and the Russo. Like, who saw that coming? The community guys making the, mm-hmm. the 
getting the keys to the Marvel franchise. Thank God. Yeah, and that just shows you, man. Like, same story you said earlier. Like Kevin Feige being a underling on the set of X Men. Like, it's like this next generation of creators, man. And it's it's awesome to see, you know, th- these people like kind of rise to stardom and and yep. just seeing what they can do. It's crazy. It's crazy. Like Kevin yep. Feige is a friggin' genius. The Russo brothers are fantastic. Like, th- it makes this entire MCU like the way they're able to. Kevin Feige is able to recognize talent, yep. right? And bring people in to direct and write. And it, it's, it's insane. And it's their love of the source material. Um, to make yep. an analogy, again, going back to Star Wars, regardless mm-hmm. of what I think about what's happening in the sequel movies, you can tell with John Favreau again and Dave Filoni, the love they have for the source material and actually understanding it and knowing how to, to apply it to these stories. Like everyone yes. knows, like Captain America, Steve Rogers, and that's very, very surface level. But actually understanding these characters, because there's a reason why these got, these characters have lasted for 80, 50, 60 years and why people love them and gravitate to them. If you dig deeper and understand what that's about, these stories yep. end up being so much better. And it's proof in the in the movies. Yeah, and it, and it, it just shows people, too, like, you know comic books used to be seen as, you know, basically cartoon level mm-hmm. material. You know what I mean? Like it's for little kids, but like these series show you that it, it's a lot more, um, what's the word, man? Like it, it's a lot more to me, sophisticated, sophisticated. It's a lot more adult. They're, they are mere for society. Mm-hmm. If you take whatever's happening in society throughout history, there's a comic book, comic books that reflect yep. it. So when you get a certain crowd, it's like, I don't want these movies being political. It's like, you don't understand what these things have been the entire time. Like, we all know what the first cover of Captain America is. It's him punching Hitler. And to my yep. recollection, that was a year before the U.S. got involved with World War II, if I recall correctly. Like, comic books, we all know the X-Men are the allegory for Martha King and Malcolm X. We've heard these stories before. There's a great... Um, uh, Green Arrow and Green Lantern run where like this black dude is looking at us like you go off to Mars the same the green man the purple man but what do you do on earth for the black man like that's these they're always a reflection of what's going on around us yeah yeah man like that it's so true because like you said with the Captain America punching Hitler you're right yeah. that was before we got involved and the United States at the time was kind of uh, staying out of it on purpose mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. We're kind of isolationist. We're kind of like, we don't want to get involved. We don't absolutely have to unless somebody attacks us. But, but yeah, man, like, and then doing that in the cap comic was like saying like, to hell with what the government's saying. Like, this is what should really be happening. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. Fantastic stuff. And this series, this series that we're talking about now is like, it's like the epitome of that. Like it's, it's crazy how much they take on in this series. And they, it's, it's, it really, I didn't think they would go there. I mean, because you can tell there's a, an underlying anti-war stance that's taking place throughout this that mm-hmm. I wasn't a hundred percent sure Disney was going to like touch as much as they did. And I'm, I'm actually shocked. I applaud them because that's what the comics have been. People on this, they see Captain America and assume like he's pro America. He's pro Patriot. He's pro. And that's, that's not what the character is. That's he's Steve Rogers a guy that is an underdog that who is giving it's it's the great power, great responsibility to take away from Spider-Man a little bit. He sees the good in people and he uses his platform 
to try to uplift that. He's not just like, whatever America does is right. That's not what right. Captain America is. Right. I, and I feel like, yeah, the, the way to, I guess the way to look at it is that he, he has, Captain America is all for the American ideal, right? The idea of America, but not so much what America is currently, whatever yes. it might be. Like, he's not a representative of the government. He's a representative of an idea, right? Yep, yep, yep. What the, what the best version of what America should be. That's what Captain America is. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And we saw that throughout the films, like, portrayed very well. Like, especially in um, Winter Soldier. Yep. And, Civil and War. obviously, obviously in Civil War. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's like, he's full on against the government. Mm -hmm. And... Yeah, man, for a buddy cop series, like this show took some ideas to task. Like it, it obviously, you know, it's the action, the budget's mm -hmm. huge, the characters and actors are fantastic, the story's great as always. Everything we love about the MCU, but, you know, on top of that, it's like the most, I think, the most socially relevant thing Marvel's put out. Like not only talking about racism head on, mm -hmm. talking about, um, you know, a black man being at the forefront of representing the United States mm -hmm. and, and all the stuff that that brings, but also with the flag smashers and like the yeah. conversation about borders and immigrants and refugees and who belongs where and who doesn't belong. It's like, I don't know. I, I would go so far as to say like, and tell me if I'm talking out of school here, but I feel like this series is, should be considered black Panther level important. Am I wrong? I, I think it's very important because what it did is it let the the viewers understand that everything's gray. Like every every there is no good, there is no evil. In well, to a degree there is, but a lot of stuff is it it dabbles in the gray. Even when not to jump ahead a little bit, but even when Sam gives his speech to you know the what's the C C R C or whatever, it, they're like, yo, dude, how how he was like, I don't know how to fix it. Like I don't I don't I don't know how to do it. And even then, it was like you think it's gonna be like. Sam's going to give this 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 epilogue and then everything's going to be right. And even he doesn't have the answers. And yeah. even with John Walker's storyline, you think he's the bad like he's the bad guy. He's the bad guy. But there's so much gray in that. And yep. I mean, Winter Sol everything about Winter Soldier is gray. Like if you like we look at Sebastian Stan now, we're like, oh, we love Winter Soldier. But I watched Civil War the other day. And even in um, not Civil War, I watched Winter Soldier the other day, even in Civil War, like. He's killed like Tony's parents, bro. Like Tony can't like, how do you let that ride? You know what I'm saying? Like civil war, he in uh, winter soldier, he's taking people out. So even though we look at him as his redemptive Zemo, Zemo have to have to show you love Zemo. And I, as someone who yeah. watched um, those movies recently, you're like, yo, Zemo killed T'Challa's dad, bro. Like this isn't all good. Like these Wakanda should want to take Zemo out. Like, so it just dove into the gray of what our society is, is where we think we're on one side that's good, but somebody else from a different perspective, we're the bad guy. Yeah, you know, you know what's cool about um, the fact that Anthony Mackie is playing this character? Um, I was just recently watching this interview with him that he did. Um, have you ever seen that movie Black or White? No, I don't recall. No. Okay, so in this movie, this white family has a biracial granddaughter that they're taking care of. Mm-hmm. And the dad is nowhere in the picture. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the mom has passed away. And something happens to where the family is trying to get this child back. The biological family is trying to get the child back. 
and um, mm-hmm. she she's been being raised by her grandparents. So it's it's a very like, um, it's a very big story about race, like this this movie. And Anthony Mackie plays the lawyer who is representing the black family that wants this child. Mm-hmm. And and um, he was giving an interview during kind of like the the build up for that movie, the rollout of that movie, and his views were very similar to Sam's views in this speech at the end. And it was Mm. basically like, I, you know, I don't know exactly how to fix things, but what we, the the most important thing is that we need to be having the conversation. Yeah. Like, like we we got to figure it out. Like we can't just go, well, we don't know what to do. So we don't do nothing. Like Mm. we have to figure it out and it's going to take talking to each other. Like, yeah. Yep, yep, and and that's what this this movie kind of shed a light on a, a lot of things, and I'm I'm glad that they did it. And then also too, a lot to take it back to collecting in the '90s. There's things that happen in media and in comics. So case in point, when I was a kid, uh, as a black person, I don't know, I'm black. I don't know if people know that. As a black person, you're always looking for representation, um, whether it's purposeful, or purposeful or inadvertent. You just kind of like you gravitate towards people that look like you. And when I would read comic books in the 90s, I didn't know what it was, but a lot of the dialogue on the comics I was reading with, you know, characters like Black Panther, characters like Bishop or whoever the black character would be, it always felt off. Like I never, it never just stuck right. Like it felt weird to me. And I didn't know what that was when I was a kid. But when you get older, you start realizing like white writers were writing black characters. And right. to even go back to the 70s, a lot of black exploitation films it was like Italian or white directors. And so they were doing their interpretation of what black people talked like in the seventies. So in hindsight, we think people were walking around saying jive Turkey and you bull jive. (laughs) But in reality, no one was talking like that. It's just, we think that because that's what the media show. So it's Mm -hmm. interesting when you have these stories that are being told and you can tell these are real black conversations that are happening. Like it doesn't fit like some, like don't get it twisted. There, There was a part where Sam's, speech kind of got like heavy handed and you're like, okay, we get it. But for the most part, a lot of these conversations that were happening throughout these shows, you're like, okay, that seemed genuine. And it it can happen. It doesn't have to be the most forced stuff. It can be like very little things like them having the cookout or there was one conversation at the very, very beginning, which was like a very like understandable conversation or even how Isaiah Bradley was, look, bro, you don't want those problems. Like you don't want, you don't want this. It didn't feel like it was trying to be black. It just felt like, being black was part of the story that was being told in a very true form. Yeah. Yeah. And that's obviously that's Malcolm Spellman's kind of writing. And, um, I think we're getting ahead here too. Like, but they did show at the end of the series that Malcolm Spellman is actually writing Captain America four. Yeah. And then yep, we're, getting, yep. we're getting, you know, Sam Wilson, Captain America, which, um, yeah, yeah. I, I which kind of brings up this next thing to uh where Walker is back in the scene. He's a uh, he's attacked trying to save this truck full of people. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's dangling over the edge and, and he has to decide like do I save this do I save this truck full of people or do I go after this guy and get vengeance, you know. Um and Sam, you know, he Walker gets attacked so he actually can't save him. Sam swoops in, saves the people. And I, I thought throughout the series, this idea that people call him Black Falcon is hilarious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, it's funny. Yeah, but in this scene, it's really cool because because a guy's like, "Oh, that's the Black Falcon," and then the other guy corrects him, right? And we get 
the first time we get uh, someone outside of our, our group of heroes and stuff saying like, no, that's Captain America. Such, such, such a moment, like a little cheesy, but such a moment, like such a moment. And mm-hmm. also, too, I'm glad we talked about Gray. I'm glad they did that with John Walker's story. Like, I was really ready to hate him and look at him because, you know, we know where John Walker's story goes, comic book nerds. I was really ready to hate him. But it, it, it would, they did a good job of letting you know towards the end. It's like, yo, he's dealing with the Gray. And by nature, John Walker is a good dude, quote unquote. That's trying to do the right thing. So yeah. even even with that little drone and him kind of like squinting and trying to shake the whatever thought he was having, I thought it was cool to give him a redemption story and not be super predictable and make him the bad guy. Yeah, and that's that's what I was going to ask you about here next because we did see that like he, him trying to save that truck and stuff, and he's and he's working with everyone. It's like, yep. and I was going to ask if you thought that was kind of too soon to be redeeming him but I, maybe I think you're right I mean you kind of answered it but I, I think you're right that they needed to show something to keep this yeah. guy gray and not just bad going into whatever we see him in next yeah I mean even um, Lamar said it all the super soldiers serum does is make you more of who you are and John yeah. Walker has been programmed to be a government weapon that's mm-hmm. that's who he's been so he's, you know, you point him in direction and go, hey, man, go sell these people. And by, like I said, he's a good dude in theory. And yeah. he was pushed because they killed his best friend. And yeah. he took it too far because that's part of who John Walker is. I mean, they said it. Steve's the outlier. Steve is always going to be the best of the best. Like, no one's ever going to be Steve. But right. there's flaw in John Walker like there's flaws in all of us. Um, and to him... Those were the bad guys. It's like, I have to eliminate the bad guys. These guys are an issue. They're trying to, you know, do whatever. And Carly was a bad guy. Carly was murdering people. Yes. So he went too far, but it ain't like he killed more people than Winter Soldier. True. True. Yeah. And that that was something that I loved. And I think Wyatt Russell did such an amazing job as, as John Walker as well, because just he in the moments where you were supposed to hate him, you really hated him. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like he, he turned it on like his, his ability just, it, it made the audience feel exactly the way it was supposed to. And I saw this guy was getting death threats he online. Was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. But that is a testament to how good of an actor he is, at, at least in this, like I haven't seen him in, a, in other things. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this series, he's top notch. He did. He did. Did a great job of making us hate him, and then he also did a good job of reeling it back. I mean, he didn't go full yeah. on Joffrey on us, but, but um, yeah, man, shout out to to Wyatt Russell because he did a hell of a job. Also, second Russell to be in the uh, MCU, his daddy uh, yep. is uh, ego the living planet, so that's dope. Yep, and I, I thought it was funny too. Um, there there was a lot of moments throughout, like just little mannerisms he had, or the way he like the inflection in his speech made you like y- you saw Kurt Russell for a second. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, I I know it's jumping ahead again, but at the end when they when we get the uh, U.S. agent reveal and he's like, "I'm back, I'm back, I'm back," like hey, it just, a comic it, too. It, it felt like uh, it felt like Kurt Russell to me. I don't know. I felt like a you know. Snake Plissken standing there. Yeah, he was cool, man. I shout out to White, man. He did his thing. So, um, oh, you know what? I was thinking of something that I had written down here originally, and you brought up Isaiah Bradley, and I know mm-hmm. that's kind of towards the end of the series. 
or at the end of the episode, but the Isaiah Bradley story, like I thought it was so cool. I, I made a, um, I made a YouTube video, I think. Mm -hmm. And I think on this podcast early on before this series came out, um, based on the trailers and kind of rumors that were going around about casting, I kind of said that I thought that they might bring Isaiah Bradley into this, into this story somehow. And mm -hmm. I, I loved that they did. And, but the only thing that I kind of ran into or that I wish I got more of was I wanted, and maybe we'll still get it. I don't know. in something else, but I wanted to see some flashbacks. I think we all did, man. We all like, did I see it. I want to see it. Like he's it, telling the story and that was a perfect opportunity mm -hmm. to show us like young Isaiah Bradley. It was, the, it was right. The, and then reality of it, the actor that's cast as Isaiah Bradley is a, a lot younger than he's portrayed in the show. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah. You would think it was right there. You're like, all right, cool. We're going to, they're going to give us a flashback and we'll see it. And I was ready for it too, man. Like, and it goes back to what I said earlier. They did a lot of telling us, but they did. Sometimes they didn't show us a lot and I wanted it bad. Well, I felt like it was it was almost like you said, it was right there. It was so obvious that they could put something there. I mm -hmm. I'm wondering if they did it on purpose, like maybe they're going to save that. Yeah, like, that might be cap four. That might be what they decide to dive into. I mean, we, we know what these Marvel movie, movies are really, really good and, and MCU properties in general is they give us the setup. They give you that that little it's. You know, we got a little bit of Black Panther before we got the Black Panther movie. Even and yeah. even in, um, you know, they give us like the little illusion of what was it? Uh, Age of Ultron, Wakanda was on the map and they went to Wakanda. So they they've done that where they they set things up a million different times. And maybe that's what we're getting. I mean, come on, bro. Like his nephew's there. So, you know, Patriot's going to happen. And we know yep. that these, these movies are setting up, well, these TV shows are setting up a young Avengers. So I'm, I'm assuming something's got to be down the line. Yeah, and and who knows, man? They could even with what they're doing with these series and how many they're putting out. Like, who's to say they don't just put out a little mini? Like, who's to say they don't just put out a uh, Isaiah Bradley Captain America, you know, six episode run, like to show us his story? Like that that could totally happen. It, they could totally like it, I, I'm I'm ready for it. I want it. They, they could totally do it. Mm. I, I saw. Um, you ever listen to Fat Man Beyond? Mm. Is that a uh, Kevin? Uh, uh, yeah, Kevin Smith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I used to a long time ago. I haven't listened to it in a while. Yeah, so Kevin Smith and Mark Bernard, and you know they they've been breaking down this series every week on their show, and uh and you know I love Mark Bernard like as a writer and kind of a commentator, but you know he he's a little too harsh on stuff sometimes for me. Like he mm -hmm. likes to uh, he likes to kind of shit on stuff that. It's like, come on, man. It was good. Like, you know, he, he just he nitpicks, I think, that because he, he's a writer. And so yeah. when he is picking stuff apart, he's looking from that perspective. But, um, you know, he's he was basically begging. He's like, Marvel, give me that. He's like, I want to write it. Let me write, you know, Isaiah Bradley's uh, miniseries. That would be fantastic. I don't yeah. know. That would be interesting. And they could. And this, it's like I said, that the actor's way younger. So it's something that could be. Uh down the road and i'm excited i'm excited for patriot i'm excited for wiccan i'm excited for speed i'm excited for kate bishop yeah it's like the deep cuts are coming out now you know what i mean yeah, like yeah. It, it was kind of and they've built it so well that like they've given us some at least mainstream wise obscure characters and kind of made them prominent and now they're going to go even deeper like even deeper cuts and bring in stuff like yeah like young avengers like bringing in 
Wanda's kids. And bro, I haven't even every name I just said. I've never read anything of them in comics at this point. Like I just know about them from YouTube right. videos. Like they're going yes. beyond my. I'm like a. I'm literally in an office full of comic book memorabilia and stuff right now, and they're going beyond my knowledge. Same. I'm. I'm. A, I'm a '90s comics kid. Like same. Yeah. That was me. So it's like I don't even know anything past like maybe 2005 ish. Like yeah. I don't know, and, and I'm just hearing about it from other people who who know about it. Like you know, I'm watching comics explained all day. Yeah. Um. All right. So back back into the story here. We get this big reveal. Right. Sharon reveals herself as the power broker to Carly. Yeah. Um. What do you think about this? What do you think about Sharon being the power broker? I think a lot of times with, well, a lot of times, there's only been two. With these last two Marvel series, I think our fanboyness takes over and we set the expectation high, so high that we get disappointed with the reveals. Yep. It's kind of what happened with um, with uh, WandaVision. Once they introduced the fake Pietro, it was mm-hmm. like, oh, we're getting House M. We're getting to this. This is about to be that. <laughs> yeah. Like, we're going to get Mephisto. So by the time you get to the actual reveal, you're like, wait, he was an actor named Boner? And where's Mephisto? And where's this? And Reed Richards wasn't the scientist. So I, I think yeah. our expectations of whoever the power broker was going to be were set so high where it was pretty obvious Sharon Carter was going to be the power broker. Yeah. So once it was revealed, you're like, womp, womp, womp. So... You know, whatever. We always that that's part of comic books. We want the splash page. We want to turn over, and then all of a sudden, da da da. And I, even me, like I'm w- watching this thing. Like, man, who could they introduce? Man, and you think you think Chris Evans is gonna come back? And right, the, the the universe is so vast that they can literally do anything in this toy box. So when they don't pull deep into like a Tony Stark hologram, I think we get disappointed. So I didn't love the power broker stuff, but you know, it's whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't either. Same as you is like, I I wanted a little more from the power broker. Like I wanted to be, I honestly, I wanted it to be either someone like a, a deeper cuts person than the person that was already in the series, or I wanted it to be someone we'd never seen before, like a new villain to deal with. And, um, I don't know. I know it's the same thing. I I had tempered my expectations a little bit because of WandaVision because that did the same thing. Like you said, like when Magneto didn't show up, I'm like, what the hell is this? Yeah, like, yeah. like, um, but then going into this, I'm like, okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna speculate too much. I'm not gonna. And, um, but yeah, it just, when it just turned out to be Sharon and, and honestly, I'm still kind of, I'm still kind of wondering if it really is Sharon because she never actually said, she didn't know she was the power broker Mm-mm. other yeah other people were saying it and she just kind of like didn't say anything and then at the end she's still calling somebody else to check in like i don't know yeah. I, I i think there's i think there's a, a a small possibility that we're gonna find out later that nah she was never the power broker that well you know what i mean they they do this kind of stuff all the time yeah and there's yeah there's there's other people like we could i don't know man there, there's so my fear with the MCU was after we got um, Infinity War and Endgame, I was like, I don't know what they can do next. Like that was ten years of yeah. build up to get that, and it was perfect. But there's still so much they can do, and we're talking about like the deep cuts. We're talking like the deep cuts are cool, but we still got X Men, Fantastic Four, Doctor yeah. Doom. Like all that's gonna be nuts. Like that's going to be like when they actually get into that. 
It's going to be in-game. All They're setting up secret wars. There's a million things they could do. What What's your... Do you have any prediction on how they're going to bring the X-Men in? I think WandaVision screwed it up. I thought it was going to be a reverse of No More Mutants, House of M type style thing. And mm-hmm. when, when they introduced Pietro, I was like, oh my God. It was... Like, I almost cried. Like, I couldn't believe it. Like, this is about to be ridiculous. So yep. now... I don't know what they're going to do. Like, I really have zero speculation because they haven't given us any crumbs. Like, they haven't said mutants. They haven't mentioned the Fantastic Four, uh, Dr. Doom. They haven't brought him up. They might have said, like, where's he from? Lakovia? Is where is Dr. Doom from? They maybe one of those. Yeah, one of those. Yeah. They might have maybe said that. I mean, we still haven't got Neymar. I mean, there's still a million places the MCU and their television universe can, can go. And I think it's it's really important that they lean on those big boys. Like, you know, Kate Bishop and Wiccan and all those guys are cool. But as much as I love what they did with Sam, I'm I'm going to go watch the movie. Don't get it twisted. But I, it's it, it ain't Chris Evans, man. <laughs> like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, we're going to still need those those tentpole. The, the X-Men are coming. The Fantastic yeah. Four are coming, and it will happen. Like I'm at this point, Kevin Feige has so much good equity with me, he can throw anything, and I'll go watch it. Like I yeah. don't give a damn about the Eternals, but I'll go watch it. Oh, and I'm sure it'll be epic. That's the thing. Yep. It's like I, I didn't give a damn about uh, Captain America. Like I said, when I saw mm-hmm. the first one, you know what I mean. Like I, I definitely didn't give a damn about Guardians of the Galaxy. Didn't give a like, damn. Like I didn't think it. <laughs> Right. So I, that's that's how I am, too. I'm like, just, you know, what? whatever you want to give me, man, just give it to me. Like, tell me a story. Yep. I'm here for it. Yeah, I'm with you, bro. So, uh, all right. Back into this. We um, we we finally get Sam's speech right to the GRC. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, wait, I, I actually kind of skipped over where Sharon shoots and kills Carly. And I thought this was kind of kind of weird, but Sam carries Carly's body out. Right. Her limp yeah. dead body carries her out slow and dramatic. Like, m- meanwhile, Sharon's just been shot. Like, he's, <laughs> ignore- he's, ignore- he's ignoring his actual friend, Sharon, who has yeah. a gunshot. Probably needs medical attention carrying the body of Carly out. Like, I, I was like, come on. Come on. Yeah, I hate keep doing the Star Wars thing. I'm sorry. It's just fresh in my mind. I can't help it because I just watched them. It's yeah, kind of yeah. like when Han Solo was just murdered. By his son, spoiler alert, <laughs> and Chewbacca, who's Han's best friend, sees uh, Princess Leia, who's, you know, emperor, imp- whatever she is, uh, whatever, she's military Leia now, and just bypasses Chewbacca and goes straight to Ray. I'm like, you just met Ray. Like, yeah, you know, why, no. do you, why, does, why does Ray care? Help Chewbacca. Chewbacca cares. Yeah, that's his know, best man. friend. Exact, exact yeah. same type. Maybe not exact same level, but still, it's like this is your actual friend here. You don't even know Carly. Like maybe, maybe in the the longer version of this series, Carly's they a had murderer. Mur- yeah. Carly's been trying to murder you. Yes, yes. All right. So um, we 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 after this, we get the 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 big Sam speech yeah. to the GRC, where he kind of tells them about themselves. Um, and it's a great speech. It it kind of sums up the whole series and what it was about, right? And I'm not I'm not gonna recite the whole speech here, um, but the part that like hit the hardest, I feel like, was the millions of people are gonna hate me seeing me, you know, yeah. in this suit. And um, and he's like, I feel it. 
and there's nothing I can do to change that. But I'm still here. No super serum. No blonde hair, blue eyes. The only power I have is that I believe we can do better. I think that's important. It's and like I said, it's it's a little heavy handed. The whole the entirety of the speech, but that particular part was important because not only is it a reality, I'll get to the real life aspects of it of it in a second. But in the comic verse, it's gonna be hard for us to see Captain America not be Chris Evans. It's it's True. it's gonna be difficult. So for them to say it like, hey man, look, I know you he ain't Chris Evans, but this is gonna be your Captain America while it's important for the universe for them to acknowledge also very comic book accurate that also happened in the comic books for people like oh it's being so political like that that's what happened when sam took over and the real life portion of it it's it's the reality it's like as a as a black person you know for whatever reason um people aren't going to accept you like you just know it and you know racism isn't always so in your face it has it's solely deeply integrated in American society that little things you don't even think about can, yeah, you know, have racist roots. So it's cool that they talked about this, they acknowledged it, and um, even knowing that they're gonna do a part four, which I would have never thought they would be able to do a Captain America part four without Chris Evans, and it's just starring. Um, I, I keep forgetting what Sam's real name again. Anthony, Anthony Mackie. Mackie. And it, I, I never would have thought Anthony Mackie could have carried a Captain America movie. But that little speech, putting it out there is like, let us know, like, look, man, y'all gonna have to get over it. This is gonna be Captain America in the in these MCU films for at least one movie. Get over it. Yeah, I, I feel like I saw something that you posted on Twitter um, that I think hit the nail on the head. But you were like, you know, at first you, you didn't you weren't buying it. Like when when they, when he handed the shield to him in in Endgame. You know, you couldn't see it. You're like, nah, that's not nah, that's nah, Captain America. You yeah. know, but but you're like, but he earned it. He earned that in this series. That that's what this series was. It was him yeah. earning the shield. That that's a, they needed the if the, if it wasn't for this, what six episode series, yeah. they would not be able to just throw him in the MCU as Captain America. And they damn sure wouldn't be able to give him a feature film as him as Captain America. But throughout the course of this, he earned the shield it wasn't a hollow um gesture and not only did he earn it through the film but through the storyline of like oh you are the most just of us because what steve is yes. is he's always the heart soul and conscience of the whole not just the avengers the mc universe he ties the mc like everybody likes captain america in the mcu as far mm -hmm. as the punisher likes captain america the punisher yeah. you know what i'm yeah. saying so what he is more than anything in the MCU is it's the I can do this all day. Like no matter what, Steve is going to stand tall and Steve is going to do what he feels is just whether it's right or wrong. And right. Tony has his flaws and Bruce has his flaws and Thor has his flaws. But through it all, it, you can always trust Steve to be more. I was watching the uh, Earth's Mightiest Heroes cartoon mm -hmm. and there was a part with Zemo in it and he made the, the Avengers promise to like let him do something. And like Tony promised, and he's like, no, he looks at Steve, Zemo does, and he's like, no, you promise. And it's, yeah. it means more when it's Steve. And through the six episode, these six episodes, you see like, oh, you were, you were built from the same cloth that Steve Rogers is built from. And we saw it from the beginning when we first saw you in Winter Soldier, and we saw it all the way leading up through the MCU, and specifically 
because they finally gave your character room to breathe. We saw it in, in this series. Yeah, and, and I think just to top that off, they 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 had this series be all about this the super soldier serum, which Sam would not take. Mm-hmm. And that just that just topped it off. It was like, you know, he, he doesn't want that leg up. Like he's not about the workaround. He's much like Steve, he's got that moral compass. You know, mm-hmm. he, he's, he's becoming that moral compass for everyone mm-hmm. around him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fantastic. And, fantastic. It, and, and it goes back to how he was introduced to us. He was, was like a PTSD counselor for, yep. you know, vets. And that that's who he is. But Steve, more than anything, is Steve. Mm-hmm. Sam is Sam. He just has yep. abilities. And Thor's a god. And, you know, Hulk is one of the most powerful people Tony's like a billionaire, but what defines them is a man that they are, the man yep. in the costume. Yep. And that, that was always the thing about, and you remember in the first Captain America movie about him being a good man. Yep. Like when it came down to it, it, it wasn't about being the best soldier, it was about being the best man. And that's, Listen, that's bro, still where you're we're gonna at. Make me you're going to make me tear up. You have no <laughs> idea how much I love Captain America. Like, I love Captain America so much. <laughs> like, I get why people don't like him, but I've always known this part of Captain America. There's this speech that he gives in this Earth, Get to Get Earth's Mightiest Heroes cartoon where yeah, Spider Man is. Oh my God, such a good cartoon. Spider Man's getting drugged through the mud by J. Jonah Jameson. And it's a part after uh, Cap was, uh, um, he was a scroll. And he was like, he's caught on camera doing bad stuff. And the, now the media is going in on Captain America. And he gives this like speech to Spider-Man. He's like, I know who you are. I talk to the firemen, the police officers, and the people you help. And he like gives this great dialogue. And at the end, I'm like getting emotional. And then, and then Spider-Man goes, can I be your partner? <laughs> it's just like perfect. That's who Cap is, man. He's always, well, I love Captain America so much. He might be, he's, he's my second favorite MCU character behind Spider-Man. Like, I love him. Yeah, I love Cap. Obviously, the the movies, like I said, have been definitely the best of all the. I mean, this is so many movies. We've never seen anything like this. Like, what no. is it? Twenty twenty three movies now, and then yeah. the series on top of it. Uh, it's insane. Uh, uh, and I didn't love the first Captain. the The first MCU rollout, the Phase One, it was mm-hmm. it was it was cool. It was a good setup. Like, I didn't love Captain America, the original one. Like, I loved Iron Man. The first Thor, the first two Thors, are like man. But yeah. right when it right when it got to Winter Soldier, it was like pew. I was like, all right, cool. Like we're we're out here. Like I love this stuff. Like I'm all the way in, bro. It's yeah. Brett, I, Brett, I could talk about this all day, man. I I love this stuff, and I can't believe it's pop culture. Like I really can't believe, man. I spent so many times like walking in comic book stores when I was a kid with no money just to look at comic books, and yep. now it's like, bro, unbelievable. Man, I, I'm I'm definitely gonna have to have you back on too, man, to, to talk about some of these other series like Loki. Uh, and I, I think honestly, I might have trouble finding guests for what is. I don't know how many people are into that, but I, oh, I, I love animated. I, about I, that. I'm here, and also too, man. Shout out to One If because it's going to be as at least from what we know, it's going to be the last performance that Chadwick Boseman gave as Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. So that's gonna be uh, that's gonna be crazy, man. That's gonna be special. All right, so just a couple more things to get through here in the episode. We got um, the U.S. agent reveal. What do you think about that that costume? Uh, very comic book accurate. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, seeing YouTube videos talking about how like white represents purity, and there's no white in this costume. Um, I like I like the setup because 
he's not the bad guy. He's in that area of like he's still trying to do the right thing. And if they keep it comic accurate, which they tend to always do, he's gonna he's about to go off the deep end. And then also knowing that it's Madam Hydra that's kind of pulling the strings. Like I don't know if she's Madam Hydra yet. There in her story, she used to be a shield agent, so maybe she's somewhere in between that. But um I'm I'm with it. I, I like how they did it and he had a, a redemptive arc, which is weird because he started off with the bad guy, but it's just hard to feel those uh those those boots of Captain America. Yeah, and the uh the Madam Hydra, well the the, the Val character says things are about to get weird. And like I I don't know what that means. Um or if that's just kind of like uh so foreshadowing for like you said, like US agent going off the deep end mm-hmm. or what that is, but it's exciting. Like yeah. <laughs> I'm here for I'm here for that 100 percent. And then maybe they'll do some weird stuff where we're not getting a lot of him. Maybe he just kind of dips in and out of the universe now that there's so much like TV stuff they can kind of play with. So yeah. I'm I'm here for it, man. I, I like the performance that he gave, man. He did it. I mean, we I commendable, bro. Shout out to Wyatt Russell. And then uh Bucky. We haven't talked about Bucky a lot here, but mm-hmm. just the the kind of redemption for Bucky in this series has been fantastic too like and we, i mean we obviously kind of knew that he was a good guy underneath all the brainwashing and stuff like that we've seen who he can be in some of the other films uh, especially in like infinity war and stuff but he didn't have a major role uh but in this series we get to see him actually find some redemption he completes his list you know and uh, he finally tells the guy in the end that that he is responsible for his son's death mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and and doing what what sam told him which is not going out there and avenging you know but you know what what was the phrase he used he said, you uh, don't need to immense he said he needed to make amends i believe right yes yeah. yes yeah um, so, I, I, it's beautiful because i think not even just the character of james buchanan not just bucky is that we actually got to understand his power set a little bit more like they never like yeah he took a super soldier serum like earlier when he fell from what was it a plane and he just falls and you're like oh, okay so He's super duper strong. That's good to know. He's not just like a super duper strong arm and just right. diving into who he is as a person. It, it, it was a it was well needed because these characters, if they're really going to be resonant, if they're really going to resonate, they need to be well rounded. And he wasn't well rounded because you're throwing him in a storyline with 30, 40 other characters. And the only movie that he was heavily featured in, he was the bad guy for the whole movie. So mm-hmm. you never got to really see who James Buchanan was. And it was so important for him and not only for him as a man, but to understand his relationship with with uh, with Sam, because the whole time they just seemed like Captain America hangers on. And so as you see Sam develop and be Captain America, you kind of wonder what is Bucky's role in this? Because we all know at some point he becomes Captain America, too. So I didn't yep. know what Steve was going to do back in, in the movie. I'm like, who's he going to give the shield to either one of these guys to be Captain America? But it's important if I'm going to root for him to understand the man and not just Winter Soldier, this this unrelenting killing machine. And just even like little stuff like when him flirting with, with Sam's sister, it's just like, oh, like you, you're, you're charming. We haven't got to see Sebastian Stan be charming. So stuff yeah. like that or, or the thing where he goes, I'm right handed. Just little stuff like that. Where I'm like, oh, OK, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to like you. I'm rooting for you now. Yeah, it humanizes him, and it, it was like, yeah, just having them, having those little comedy beats was that was great. Like that's a great having some somebody that's always been super serious have some uh, comedic lines. It, yeah, 
it it does that in a quick way. It kind of brings you around to like, oh, I kind of, I kind of like this guy. Like he he's got jokes. Like I love yeah. it. Yep. And he wasn't beating you over the head. It wasn't like James Gunn. And I love James Gunn. I'm making, not making fun of James Gunn. It's not like James Gunn he, comedy guy. It's it's just humanized. I mean, it was like these little moments right. where you're like, oh yeah, I guess you would be right handed. And yeah. little things like that go such a long way with the character. And I'm, I don't know what they'll do with him next. Um, I don't know. If, I don't even know if I want to see a just a just Winter Soldier or anything. But right. going forward in this Captain America four, if there's a lot of Bucky in it, I would love to see it. Yeah, because yeah. I think now they are actual. Before they were just buddies that hung around each other because they had a friend in common. Now they're they actually friends. Like, they, yeah, they weren't even buddies. They were they were like uh, work. What, what did they say earlier? Is like a work associates. Yes, like they were. Yeah. But yeah, you get to see, and it was in, a, I think, that that fifth episode, you really got to see them become friends in that little kind of mon- montage of them working on the boat. And I just mm-hmm. thought that was a, that, that episode specifically, I know we're talking about episode six here, but episode five, like, that was the whole, the culmination of like the, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier and how they become a team, right? And just showing like their friendship kind of, you know, blossom into an actual friendship, not just, an acquaintance or like we know each other because of Steve. Yeah. That, that episode specifically made you care about them as a team, like them together. It was my favorite episode. Um, really, really good. The least amount of action, but, Mm -hmm. and I'm not even someone that loves character development like that, but it Mm -hmm. showed me why I should root for these guys. Like it it showed me why I should be invested and it had a, a lot of warm moments. And honestly, man, I love the cheesy 80s montage uh, scene. It just needed some like butt rock music, some poison or something behind it when he's yep. like throwing the shield or whatnot. Um, I, yeah. I just I really, really enjoyed that episode. And it, it let me know like, OK, yes, I'm invested in and not just you guys individually, but I'm invested in you guys together. Like I like both of you. It was the first time I kind of was like, you know what? Give me more of this. These two. I'm here for it. Yeah. And, that, and that's what's funny is that was the uh, the episode with the least action, like you said, mm-hmm. but it was the longest episode as well. It was the longest episode we've gotten of all these shows, like even yep. longer than this finale. And I was like, damn, like no action in that. And, and they did so much in that amount of time. It was crazy. Yep. It's, it's a real deal testament to the whole the whole team and Malcolm and those guys and everything they put forth. And let's not act like this is easy this isn't easy taking over these properties um i don't know how much input obviously marvel disney kevin and those guys they have a lot of input but to take these beloved characters at this point and taking them out of their their main space and developing them it's a harder curve than we probably realize and for what they've done for these first two marvel shows for the most part i mean marvel has a few meh in the here and there but Overall, they're batting a thousand. <laughs> like, what hasn't been at least like my least favorite Marvel movie that I've probably seen only one time is Ant Man and the Wasp. Like, that's probably like my least favorite, but excluding Thor two. But back then we weren't getting a lot of these, so I watched Thor two a lot of times. But yeah. even that, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. You know, I'm with that. If they make another Ant Man and Wasp, maybe I like it more. The, yeah, this is huh? Go ahead. No, the, their worst movie is good. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. the worst day. They make a pretty damn good film. 
on the worst day. And then you can do all the other things where there might be a tie into this, there might be a path with this. It always feels like one of your cousins is coming back that you like is coming to your house. You're like, hey, what's yeah. the little Hispanic dude that pops in in Ant-Man movies? You're like, hey, I like that guy. He pops. Paul Rudd is the most likable human being in the history of the world. Just like, oh, okay. Evan- uh, uh, what's her name? Evangela Lilly or I don't even Whatever her name is. She comes in. You're like, okay, cool. Like, my family's here. We can do this. Um, yeah. it's, it's, I mean, because we see every other m- movie company is trying to build this universe, and none of them can figure it out. So let's not act like this is easy because they're the outlier. They can't figure out what to do with the monster universe. We already explained how DC's a mess. Like they keep trying to build these universes and no one can figure it out except for Marvel. Yeah, well, Marvel broke the mold. I mean, well, they they created the mold. Like mm-hmm. you're right. Everyone's trying to emulate what they've done. And it's like, is it even possible to do with, with anything else? I don't know. I don't know. Like there are people who love the DC films, um, and, and a lot of people who hate them as well. But it, what's obvious to everyone is it is not the same thing. And they're trying to follow the mold that Marvel created. And I'm not here to bat. I love DC. Like I told mm-hmm. y'all in my comic book then, there's a painting of Batman by, right behind me right now. I love DC. I love the Green Lantern. And I hate that these movies can't figure it out. But it's as because now we know so much information. It's clear that Warner Brothers has no idea what they're doing. Like they don't yeah. like you saw the information where they canceled the um the Eternal Gods or whatever what is it? the the new gods. They canceled that. They canceled the trenches movie. They they they've been in development with all. It's just it's sloppy and it's bad. And I want to like them both equally. Like I want to be like, yeah, cool, yeah. DC care. And I want them to be two different things. I don't want them to follow Marvel's mode. I want them to be their own separate style, dark, weird, whatever they want to do. And they, I don't win if they can't figure this together. I want all the nerd stuff everywhere. Like I spent my day yesterday watching Invincible. Like I'm. I love what they're doing with it. I want all this stuff to have its own space and be great. I, I don't I, I don't win if DC sucks. I hate that. Yeah, same, same. I think and, and by the way, I saw your drawing of Invincible yesterday on, on Twitter. That was fantastic. Oh, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, but but I think show. I I think the uh, the thing with DC is like maybe I think they need a Kevin Feige type, you know, someone to really coordinate the whole thing. It's someone who can do it to that level. I don't know if there is another Kevin Feige out there, but I mean, I'm sure there is. I mean, it's a big world. There's somebody yeah. out there that could do that for DC. The the problem is that I think they had theirs, and it was Zack Snyder, and they didn't like the direction it was going because yeah. they didn't love BVS. And then we all know what happened to Zack Snyder's, you know, family and his daughter. You know, she's no longer yeah, yeah. here, and he had to step away. And then they they get Josh Whedon, and then all of a sudden now you had, and it seems too like if you really understand the behind the scenes of it, it seems like the executives are just money hungry. Like a part of why they rushed out Justice League was so that the execs could get their bonuses. Mm-hmm. Like, like, no, hurry up, hurry up. They didn't even wait for Zack Snyder to kind of get over what he was dealing with. And re- regardless of what you think of um, Man of Steel and BVS and those movies, it seemed like he at least had a vision. And then yeah. once they brought Joss Whedon in and they panicked and they like, all right, we're no more cyborg movie, no more this movie. Are we going to do this? We're going to do the Batman with Ben Affleck. No, we're not going to do the Batman. Now we're going to bring in Robert Pattinson. We're going to we're going to bring the Joker. Okay, the Joker made a billion dollars, so that's what we want to do. Suicide. It's just they have no vision, man. And I'm I'm actually encouraged because of that situation that happened with James Gunn. He got to leave Marvel for a hot second, and mm-hmm. he gets to make a Suicide Squad movie. And yeah. 
I think that's going to be great. I think James Gunn is awesome. I'm glad he's back on Marvel, but I'm glad he got to make Suicide Squad. Yeah, because honestly, bro, they're wasting. Um, I'm so bad with names right now. They're what's 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 the blonde chick that plays uh, Harley Quinn? Uh, uh it's it's eluding me too right now. Uh, please, guys, sorry. I know what you're listening. Her name is like very very easy, and everyone knows her name. I'm sorry, yes. I just can't remember right now. They're wasting her. She's great. Yeah, I know. Margot Robbie. They're wasting Margot Robbie. Yes. Yeah, I agree. And I think that that trailer we got looked looked great though. That that James Gunn James Gunn Suicide Squad. It looks like very R rated. Like yes, cool. we're just gonna. That's what they need to do. They just need to play in a different pool. Like we're just gonna do weird stuff over here. And you know, everything doesn't have to be a universe thing. Like you know, if they want to do their one shots here and there, I didn't love the Joker like that. But it was very successful for them. And, you know, yeah. I'm I'm optimistic that the Robert Pattinson Batman stuff can be cool. I'm just I'm kind of over a year one thing. Like, I don't I think nowadays we don't need origin stories anymore. Origin stories yeah. were really important when they were getting this superhero movie stuff off the ground. But now you yeah. can it's kind of like Spider-Man Homecoming. It's like we don't need to see Uncle Ben die. Like we've, we've, we've yeah. seen this. Like, let's just let's just jump straight into it. And I don't, I don't know think if I, I ever. I don't think I ever need to see that again. Like uh, Batman's parents dying, Peter Parker's uncle dying, uh, the the spider biting Peter Parker. I don't think I ever need to see those again. Like I'd be fine with it. No one does. Like n- yeah. none of us need to. We don't need to see that no more. And then I don't need to because isn't the Robert Pattinson isn't like basically year one Batman? It looks like it. I don't. It looks like that's what they're doing. I'm cool, bro. Just just be Batman. I don't need to see the the making of Batman. We already did that. We've done that so many yeah. times. Like I'm cool. Bunch of times, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, well, Eddie, man, I've ke- I feel like I've kept you long enough, dude. Like a, over an hour. I think this is probably my <laughs> longest podcast yet. Uh, yeah, because you got a professional talker out here, bro. I could talk for a million years. Look, man, I love it. I love it. Like this is a. Uh, this is what I want the podcast to be. So, man, I appreciate you coming on and sharing your insights. And I, I loved having you, man. It was a great time. Brett, man, it's really been a pleasure, man. Thank you, man. Take care. And I appreciate you. And I'm just, we're, I'm happy, man. I'm happy that we get to have these conversations. All right, ladies and gents, that is going to do it for the conversation with Eddie. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I have a feeling that you did. Because in my humble opinion, we've had a a lot of fantastic guest hosts and perspectives on the show. And this one, to me, is definitely top tier. I had so much fun talking to Eddie and and hearing his insights on not only Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but the greater MCU as a whole. I I can't wait to have him back on the show. Uh, Yeah, go give Eddie a follow at your boy Eddie on Twitter and, and let him know that you heard him on Marvel+. Plus. Also, if you have anything to add to the conversation, you can reach out to me on Twitter as well, at RealBrettScott, and let me know your thoughts on this episode or any of the episodes from the past. You know, you can leave questions, comments, concerns, complaints, anything that's on your mind, you know, or or you can send the email directly to the show at marvelpluspodcast at gmail.com. And yeah, just, just let me know, what do you think of the show? Because I'm always looking to improve it. And if you are one of the ones who are enjoying the show, um, if you're a fan of Marvel Plus, don't forget to favorite or follow the podcast so that you get new episodes every Monday as soon as they drop. 
And if you love the podcast and you'd like to help it grow, reach a larger audience, the best thing you can do is share the episodes on social media. There's nothing like word of mouth, you know, but a very close second to word of mouth is ratings. So, I mean, don't go out of your way, but if you happen to be listening on Apple Podcasts, do me a favor, go over and, and give me a quick five-star review and, you know, uh, or a five-star rating and a written review. Every one of those ratings and reviews helps the podcast reach a larger audience. There's like a million Marvel podcasts out there. And so I really appreciate you listening to this one. And with there being so many to choose from, it's kind of hard to stand out. And, and you know, those ratings and reviews and shares really go a long way to growing the show. So if you would be so kind, I really would appreciate it. All right. Now, we, we've reached the end of this series, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And normally, this is where I would take a little break, you know. Uh, but, but I'm thinking of doing something a little different. I'm thinking of putting together something pretty cool if I get enough feedback saying that this is something you guys want. I'm thinking about putting together a roundtable discussion, you know, for the entire Falcon and the Winter Soldier series as a whole. And kind of, the idea is to bring back some of the hosts we've already had from the past uh, to have one big fat discussion, you know. So if that's something you're interested in, please reach out at the email, uh, marvelpluspodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at RealBrettScott and let me know that you're here for it. You know, it, if enough people reach out, this is definitely something I want to do. You know, I'm interested in doing this. I just want to know that it's something you guys want. Uh, after that, I'm not entirely sure what I'm going to do for the next month, month and a half, while we wait on the Loki series. I've debated doing more episodes of the podcast, you know, just where I talk about Disney Plus MCU news, you know, uh, upcoming series or casting, you know, I... You know, I don't like to dig into rumors and speculation as much when I talk about uh, casting and stuff like that, um, but stuff that's actually come out. So that's another thing that if you're interested in the podcast, you know, continuing in between series and talking about some other things, then please let me know. I'm really looking for feedback, you know, and, and every bit I get helps me to craft a better show for the listeners. So far, the reception has been incredible. I, I really appreciate every listen and every bit of commentary that I get from listeners. So keep it coming. You know, we're just getting started. Uh, I'm super excited to continue improving the podcast and improving the experience for the Marvel Plus community. All right, that's it. That's going to do it. Uh, let me know what you want and I will do my best to make it happen. As always, thank you for listening. My name is Brett Scott, and this has been Marvel Plus.